Welcome to Aim High, Grammar Kingswood's alumni podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear from the voices of students, alumni, staff, and faculty who embody the values of the Cranbrook community. This episode is brought to you by alumni.fm, a CK alum podcast production company with a mission to connect people through stories. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome to the Aim High podcast, the CK alumni podcast. With me today is a good friend of mine, Libby Post, who I've known since, I know it's his freshman year, but I think really got in her sophomore year when we went on the wilderness together. And she's also in my class of 2015. And I'll hand it over to you, Libby, really quickly to you know give a quick intro about yourself. Hi, yeah, I'm Libby. Whatever, everything Robert said is true. I'm in Northern Michigan at the moment. Libby, tell us, you know, where you're from, what are you doing today? Way up to really since graduating. Yeah, I am from Birmingham, Michigan, and I still live there in the same house that I grew up in with my parents. And yeah, since graduating, I went to the University of Michigan and I studied art and design there and minored in community action and social change. And then I moved to New Orleans for a year and worked for City Year, which is an AmeriCorps program that's educational based. You are doing some supplemental teaching in schools. And then in amidst the pandemic, I moved back to Michigan and I enrolled in the School of Social Work at the University of Michigan. And so for the last year, I've been in school. I also, around when I enrolled, I had been accepted to the Peace Corps for this assignment in Botswana. So the program that I'm enrolled in at U of M, you do a year of school and then two years in the Peace Corps and then another year of school. It kind of lined up with the pandemic that I would be in the original delay that I would do a year of school and then the Peace Corps would have started this July. And then it just has continued to get delayed since that is the case. I don't have a departure date for my assignment in the Peace Corps, but I'm still hoping to depart. So I have put school on pause and I've been doing a little bit of grant writing, just also a lot of travel and socializing as an extrovert <laughs> being pretty good during the pandemic. It was pretty hard for me. And so I'm considering it my reward to get to go and have fun. For Yeah, definitely living out your best life, right? Yes, absolutely. So just even for that brief intro, one of the themes that we'll dig into a little deeper here is you started doing a lot of volunteering, studying the school of social work. Now, you know, going to the Peace Corps, waiting, but you eventually get to go do it. So definitely this recurring theme of service. One unique aspect that I know well, is that you're the first lifer that we've had in the podcast. So awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> then I would love to you know hear a little bit about that. And I, I know... Like you come up from a long family line of Cranbrook graduates. Yeah, definitely enjoyed my time at Cranbrook. And it's easy to say that because I don't know anything else. But yeah, my parents enrolled me and my siblings all at the same time. And I happened to be young, youngest and get to start in kindergarten. And my mother went to Cranbrook. And then my grandma also went to Cranbrook or Kingswood at the time. And she was a boarder there, but didn't graduate. And she also taught at the girls' middle school. She was an eighth grade English teacher. Some of her students come up to me and rave about her. So I'd like to think she was a good one too. And then she was a alumni director. And I hear that happened or from some somebody's memory that happened partway through my mom's junior year of high school. 
And then partway through my junior year of high school, my mom became the alumni director. So I have maybe a prophecy, but I don't know that I take it very seriously. I, I did not know that. Maybe are you become a alumni director? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't think so. I mean, it's not, I don't have the plans for or aspirations necessarily. But it happened both for my grandma and my mom much later in their life, and I'm sure they never planned on it. So okay. I can't. Let's. Uh, I'm not going to commit <laughs> anything. <laughs> That's super interesting. Just a you know really good coincidence. But it's also cool. I, I didn't know this either. Your grandma also taught at Cranbrook, and I know that you know you spent a year or so right volunteering, teaching also kids. I think in elementary school, right? Uh, yeah, K through eight. K through eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so whether there's some sort of inspiration there for your grandma to also do some teaching. Yeah. And on my dad's side, there's two of my aunts are in education. Yeah. Maybe I, I haven't talked to her so much about teaching. I think that, yeah, I like working with people and teaching is one way to do that. <laughs> That's a good question, though. It, maybe there's some subliminal influence. I definitely got some grammar songs from her and things like that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we can give that a little bit more too. this kind of learning from your family, right? And we also, uh, before this interview, you were talking a little about like Cranberry ideas or traditions. Could you tell us a little bit about what traditions you still hold on to coming from Brookside all the way through? Yeah, I think that we had talked a bit about this quote, look to the bees and follow. And I don't, I'm sure that I'll get the whole quote wrong, but There's a longer version of it of look to the bees and follow for they seek out the sweet and nourishing and work energetically enough to produce enough for themselves and others. And so, yeah, in our conversation, we talked about sort of service generally. And yeah, I think that I like love that quote. I love bees in general, even though I'm relatively allergic. I still really like them and was in beekeeping club in high school, which is cool, but <laughs> didn't. I didn't know we had one. We had oh. one. It was a low key club. <laughs> Shout out Claire when <laughs> and soon to be in. Yeah. So I think that that is certainly an ideal of Cranbrook is that it's a very a place with a lot of resources. And so I think there's some desire there to share those resources, though they are very concentrated. I think that the idea is to take these resources and make en- enough from them to produce enough for others as well. Through Brookside, that I think looks like Nemtanga, um, having a relationship with a village in Burkina Faso. I think that we also did some other service projects like just having can drives and there's this hope to share sort of what we have going on and creating relationships with, uh, or our, we have a sister school in Turkey and these different things that help us connect with the greater world. I think that that's another way that I view it is just like connecting with the rest of the world. I certainly felt like I was in a bubble at Cranbrook and trying to pop it as much is a goal of mine as much as I can. And I think that can be done through service or it can be done through just like creating relationships. And that's a basis for service for me. So one of the things, so St. Antango, like what, what pulled you into that? Yeah, I think that certainly the experiences I had in Brookside were important, but I think freshman year doing a leadership retreat through Bridge the Divide and they had a partnership with U of M. So there were some U of M students involved and they might've been school of social work students, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, just 
through the person who organized that. And that was sort of the first time that I was able to pop that bubble a bit more and understand just perspectives of the people that were right around me and getting to see the world through a different lens was really powerful. It was Hub students and Cranbrook students and we were all staying in the dorms. And it was just this weekend retreat where we were exploring sort of power and privilege and Cranbrook and then the surrounding area. So Cranbrook being nestled in Metro Detroit and learning more about Detroit in general and just getting to see that there's like a whole all over Michigan, there's a whole different worlds that you can explore was new for me. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I remember because you know, I was I was with you in, in that program. One of the things in Cranberry that stuck out to me was the drive down Woodward. At some point, you cross some, some hidden line and it's like a totally different world, right? Some stark lines for sure around the metro Detroit and Detroit area. But it's also just been so interesting when right, seeing these stark contrasts, right? Not that far from where we live. And exactly your point about trying to always pop that bubble going and, and exploring. And I guess, you know, now I think about it's kind of connected that motto as well. As a bee, you're just going around <laughs> seeing, yes. seeing what's out there. I know that the Kingswood motto also centers around service. Could you talk a little bit about that? And, and what does the Kingswood motto mean to you? Yeah. The Kingswood motto, enter to learn, go forth to serve, I think holds two of the most important values to me, which is learning and service. I think that those things are really intertwined. I think that you learn through service, really, and that it's an opportunity to be able to get to do that type of learning. I think that sort of bit grown to just understand that how tied all of our humanities are and how without really building those connections between my humanity with the rest of the world, I am able to sort of understand the entire world a bit better, yet influence it in the ways that I see fit. So yeah, I think I've been lucky to get the education that I did. I I definitely felt like it was really valuable. Again, I don't know anything else, but I feel like I really value the experiences I got at Cranbrook. And I feel like I got to explore a lot of different things. I definitely think of myself as a jack of all trades. And I think that Cranbrook afforded me that opportunity just because it invests in a lot of different, the arts and sciences and getting to just try a lot of different things throughout my childhood and into middle school and high school. So I want to be able to share what I feel like I got to learn. And one way of doing that is certainly through service. So I guess I've decided to make a career out of it (laughs) or I'm trying to. Through the experience at Cranbrook, I'm interested in hearing a little about how do you define service and has that definition or idea evolved over time? I think it definitely has. I think that my understanding has deepened a lot in I think that a lot of the same themes were always there of of being able to learn from service and just understand, as I've said, understand the world better. Like, I think one thing I've been thinking about recently a lot is just so the idea of like our humanity being tied. I'm not sure exactly where in Africa, but this is there's this idea of Ubuntu and which I might be butchering that pronunciation. But the concept I've been taught is that our humanities are tied. And so like for my humanity to be like full i need i need other people to be able to like maintain their humanity and have their humanity protected and that when other people's humanity is not protected mine is degraded too and i think that historically of course there's been a lot of communities that have had their humanity degraded 
in a really deliberate and systematic way. I think that there is some general efforts to fight that history and that I feel like as a white person, my humanity has been degraded or historically it has been through the treatment of communities of color and or just amongst different socioeconomic groups. And so when I learn that and I understand that, I would like to rebuild and protect those people's not rebuild, but more protecting those people's humanities and being able to join forces, really. I think that there's so much value in the world and like in these different perspectives and in having these sort of these stark lines or different bubbles like that, that there's so much value in all of them that like, why not pop those bubbles and be able to share all of that together so that we can have share those resources and then our humanity is sort of built together through that. That makes sense. No, that makes sense. And it sounds like the grant project you're currently working on directly connects to this. Definitely. Could, could you talk a little, you know, share a little more about that? Yeah. I am writing a grant for this organization, Ceasefire. The grant's goal and Ceasefire's goal is to reduce violence in their community. So Ceasefire works in Detroit. And there's sort of these environmental factors that cause more violence to be in their communities. They might not have sort of the resources or the pathways or the all the opportunities that I feel like I've had at Cranbrook. And so Ceasefire is trying to bridge that gap and trying to provide those pathways and that mentorship and break these generational cycles that have perpetuated violence and trauma within the Black community that predominantly resides there. So I'm hoping that I get this grant for them because they definitely would do really great work with it. But their hope is to, they would start with this assembly. They want to build this relationship with two middle schools and they start their year with an assembly where they are able to sort of get students excited. They would love for me to name drop the celebrities they can bring in, which is Big Sean and T.I., but also like clergy members and poets and members of the community that are able to spark inspiration and connect with the students at that school. And they would want this common message of to prevent violence in their community, to stop the violence that has been there for historically for a long time and trying to heal and repair their community who that has like just experienced a lot of hardship. And they also want to start this anonymous reporting system for threats of violence. They want to form a team that will select students to be a part of a smaller group where they're able to provide more direct mentorship. And they would be doing evidence-based curriculum, which that evidence base is very much a key. I'm learning as a grant writer that you basically need to repeat what is being asked of you. So we have that model for them to do a curriculum. Then they'll also be doing sort of restorative justice circles. So these talking circles where you're able to talk about how violence impacts the community and impacts different stakeholders within it. These circles are often used in like in the wake of could be violence, could be any sort of conflict within the community. And it's a way to address it in a space where people who perpetuate those that impact are able to take responsibility for their actions and then also have a direct communication with people who have been impacted by whatever conflict is happening. They are able to have their voices, the victims of that are able to have their voices heard, express what they need in order to move forward and to heal. And then 
the perpetuator can address it more directly with them rather than like these sort of punitive systems that create it's really disconnected from the people who are actually impacted because you have to go through these different systems that don't really value I don't think they value like the humanity of the people involved then they work with them through the summer too they have like summer employment opportunities they also have this boxing element that I think is really cool so students involved would have the opportunity to go to this boxing gym three times a week working on being have an opportunity to just work out any frustration in their lives in a sort of safe space and then also boxing you sort of train your mind just as much as you're training your body so you're creating that muscle memory for sure and then you're also working on maintaining a calm mind so that when like successful boxers will maintain this calm mind and be able to be strategic while they're boxing and do a lot of observation that there's a big emphasis of observing what your opponent is doing so that you can make strategic choices which i think is applicable to like the social emotional learning that they're also hoping these students will do where you're if you are having this moment of conflict, you want to maintain this calm mind so you can make strategic choices that are going to benefit you and help you sort of move through that conflict with grace. That's what's really cool about it to me is that it's really intensive. And I think that a lot of solutions presented to these gaps, they don't do this sort of wraparound services. They also like, you know, they'll be in communication with parents, too, and things like that they're reinforcing their message in just a lot of different ways. And I think having such a multidimensional program is helpful in addressing root causes because root causes are really complicated and there's a lot of different things that factor into why the world is in the state that it's in. Yeah, so definitely multidimensional, lots of variety in the programs. It's really amazing here and I really hope you get that grant. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just wondering, you know, for future Cranbrook alums, what would your advice be for those who are looking to also make a career in community service? I think what I'm doing for myself right now is like looking for good mentors, really. When you find yourself connecting with somebody or you like, I mean, anytime you're making any sort of career, if you like what somebody is doing, then getting to know them really well and getting to know why they started doing things the way they do things and building that connection I like to do it a lot through observation. So working directly with people who I think go about their work in a a way that is appealing to me. Those are the people who I want to be able to observe closely and continue to see how they navigate different situations. Also, employment in general is about people. So the way I got this job was I had been doing field work the last year and the organization Congress of Communities, that the nonprofit that I was working for, my supervisor... I think that Congress of Communities has a relationship with Mission Lift, which is the grant writing company. So I think they've used Mission Lift in the past. And somehow Mission Lift was talking to my supervisor and my supervisor had recommended me because they needed somebody to help with grant, a different grant that they were writing. Personal connections and networking really takes precedent over like, or is going to be the thing that gets you the jobs you want more than... I feel like there's a lot of other things that you can get distracted with when networking really is the biggest key. I think that getting to yourself into certain spaces is important so that you can make those connections too. So whatever field you want to get into, trying to be around those people who are already in the field as much as you can is going to help you the most, I think. What was one of the most shocking or unexpected aspects when you're first getting to this as a career? I'm like learning things so slowly, but I'm, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm comfortable in the silence and I'm trying to think of what it might be. 
That was shocking to me. I don't know what's, I don't know. I can't think of something that surprised me. I feel like I've been really lucky in getting to be with around people who I've been able to like really see as mentors to me. From no me. surprise at all. Do you ever think first? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that can't be true. That can't be true, can it? This is where you're heading all along your entire life. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a slow build. It's like just a slow learning thing. I always feel like I'm just like slowly growing and learning. So it's like, I don't know that I see so many like shocking moments very often, but I'm always amazed with the energy that I see from the other people that I work with. Like the the passion in, in this field is really astounding because I think that it tends to not be the most lucrative field for, or that's, the, that's its stereotype. At least I think that I've worked for organizations that are specifically aiming to break the stereotype of, they will say like, we're breaking this starving artist mentality of that this work has to be, you have to be starving to work in this field. So I think that it's always inspiring to me to get to work with really motivated people who care a lot about their work and have made that a big part of their lives and their fulfillment and their happiness is, is their career. It is true that that has to be the case because it does take a lot of emotional energy too. So something I've been trying to learn this past year is how to protect myself and my own, like just my mental health while I give a lot of my energy and being so emotionally invested in the work that I'm doing. Yeah, trying to find balance in, in that way. I think you definitely have to, you, know, you definitely have to be that type of person with that sort of drive and, and passion for what you're doing or to keep in it. Because I, I understand that sentiment. Funding is always an issue and there's always so much to do for such a great purpose and you just got to figure out how to make ends meet. So then after this grant project and after you get it, where are you thinking are next steps? After I get this grant, hmm, I would like to continue doing grant writing. I, I've gotten lucky with a really great opportunity where I'm not just writing. I also get to be pretty much a consultant and help them design their projects and it's fulfilling in being able to learn so much. So I, as long as I'm learning while I'm doing this work, I'm certainly going to continue doing it. So I'm holding out for the Peace Corps. I've told myself like this winter, if it doesn't happen, if I don't get a departure date for this winter, then I might have to move on with my life, essentially. I've always wanted to do the Peace Corps too. I've always, um, since I learned about it, I just thought that it sounded like an awesome experience. I, I think that I would get to learn and grow a lot from that experience. So I'm hoping to get to do that. And yeah, I'm just holding out for them to give me a departure date. And then if that doesn't happen, then I would go back to school. Regardless of whether I get to do the Peace Corps, this, this time off that I have now is really helpful in me being able to navigate my schooling better. There's two sort of two motivations for me to pause school. One is that Although I do actually think that I got a really good experience out of pandemic school, I am over that and would like to be in person for school and also get to develop those connections much more easily being in person. And the second would be that I'm trying to yeah figure out what I want to do in this field. Like I've been having this feeling that I'm in the right field and that I just don't know what I want to do within it. And so being able to spend time so that I'm able to be more intentional about my schooling is important to me because I felt like my hand was a little bit forced when I made the decision to, instead of going to be able to do my Peace Corps assignment, going to school instead. So I, yeah, I'm just trying to give myself some time to figure out 
like really grad school isn't necessarily the place to be doing all of that figuring out because the field of social work is really diverse and there's a lot of different things I could focus on that would lead me in a really different way. And I know I'm like allowed to have many careers. Like I think that's an important thing. That's maybe my other piece of advice is that don't think of yourself as just having to pick one career and stick to it the rest of your life. I think that you should have this mentality or I have this mentality that I'll have many careers and get to try a lot of different things. So I'm still going for the mentality of trying a lot of different things, but I would still like a little bit more direction in my schooling because my classes are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I think it's a really important point that you bring up. I really admire that about your mentality too, just being open to new opportunities and also being comfortable in that space of the unknown to an extent, but not so much that you're aimless, but always yeah. going for some direction. And I admire that because for me personally, it's like I always have to, I'm sure you know people like this too, like you always have to have some sort of one year, two year, three year, five year plan, whatever. But it is, it is very important. I think I echo that advice to future graduates as, as you navigate your career. You realize that you have a lot of time in your life to do different things and uh, really to just go try them out. This has been a really good uh, story on service in general. And I think for anyone who's looking to go down a similar career path, how can they reach out to you? You can reach out to me through my email, elpost at umich.edu. So that would be E-L-P-O-S-T at umich or U-M-C-I-H dot edu. Yeah. So I'll also include that in the show notes. Look out for that. I'm sure Libby will be happy to connect. I would encourage it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and last question here. So who would you want to hear next in the podcast? Okay. I got two recommendations. One would be my aunt, Lindsay Hefter. And she, <laughs> yes, shout out my family, all my family members that have gone to Cranbrook Kingswood. She is a uh, owner and operator of a video production company called Red Wagon Video Productions. I think that she has a really cool career, so she would be interesting to hear from. And then another person who came to mind was Carl Conyers in the great the class above us. I think that it would just be interesting to hear from him. I haven't had a chance to speak to him in a long time, but he definitely came to mind as somebody that would be a good interview. I think that he is a very passionate young person and that he also is very funny. (laughs) And so I think that he's just like nice to listen to, nice to talk to. I don't really know much about what he's doing in terms of career. And so that would definitely be interesting to hear about too. I know that he's going to do great things. So Yes, definitely. We'll get them both on the podcast. And for your aunt, would you be interested in being guest host? That might be interesting. Sure, yeah. I would totally be interested. Have a whole series about the Post family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll learn all about our family history. But cool. Then, you know, Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It was a really nice conversation and I'm excited to hear the episodes come out. Awesome. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next time, see you later. Bye, everyone. <laughs> this has been Aim High, Kramer Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find. For any feedback or guest requests, please send an email to robert at alumni.fm. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon. Music